Thank you, guys. Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. My name is Alex Barrett, and I am the campus pastor here. And we are continuing the message series called Dangerous Prayers. And last week you heard from uh, Jeep Underwood. Appreciate him uh, speaking. I was in Cloudcroft, New Mexico at a summit for a training program that we have. Uh, Church in the Valley and across our network churches called the Antioch Project. And so it was good to, to be there, but it's, it's good to be back uh, with all of you guys uh, this morning. And we're, we're turning the corner on this series, which we started a, a few weeks ago, uh, looking at the idea of, of prayer. And we're calling it dangerous prayers, not because of your necessarily your life is at risk, but the, the idea that when you pray these things, you, you actually can see uh, God come through in some really uh, specific ways. And so the idea is kind of this idea of if you dare to pray the way the scripture says that that things can actually happen that may not if you don't. Is this really echoey? It's really echoey. If we could work on that, that'd be great for everyone else, I think, as well. And the idea with, with this this series is, is to dig into the scriptures and to find out what the, the Bible says about prayer and how to align ourselves with what it says. And that, that's really what the, the Christian life is about. It's taking maybe our, our own ideas and it's taking our experiences and then it allows us to see what the scripture says and, and over time learn to do things God's way. And, and prayer is certainly one of those things in my life that I've had to really grow in over time. Prayer for me, and see if you can relate to this, prayer for me growing up was always like the thing you wanted to get through as fast as possible so you could eat. They call that grace, right? And I, I'd find myself and I grew up in a, the church and my, my parents were Christian and I'm very thankful for the way that they raised me. But prayer was one of those things that if, if I was ever asked to pray, I could just go through the script. God, thank you for the provision of this food. And just, I pray it will bless our bodies, nourish it. Amen. And it's just like, let's get through it. Let's eat and, and make it happen. And, and that could be uh, the same for, for you as well. Prayer is something that can seem very, very rote. Uh, very mechanical. Maybe it's something that you just have learned to say over time, but it's not had a lot of, of meaning to it. And so the, the goal of this series is to, again, show you what the scriptures say, so then you can begin to adopt the meaning from that and, and learn to, to live it out in, in your life. And so I want to start by actually looking at a prayer that you may have learned at an early age, maybe called the Lord's Prayer. How many of you you've heard of that phrase, the Lord's Prayer? Uh, when I studied um, like Christian studies in college, I was learning to become a vocational minister, a pastor, and I had a New Testament professor that, that said, like, I don't really like to call it the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the Disciples' Prayer because in Matthew 6, Jesus was explaining to them, this is how you should pray, and it was really instructive for them, for those that were listening, his followers. And so it's the same, if you're a Christ follower... This is really a model prayer for you. Sometimes when we say the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's something that Jesus did that necessarily doesn't impact our life. But what he was saying is, this is how you should pray. And and what I want to do is I want to read through this and then highlight something that we're going to talk about today. This idea of praying the prayer, send me. Okay, so so I'm going to read this. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, how many of you, when I start to say that, you're like, our Father in heaven, like it... You kind of hear it and you're like, our father, how would it be? Is this the right volume I should say it at? Is everyone else saying it? Do I say trespasses? Do I say debt? Do I say sin? Right? All of us have the context. Like I've seen in a movie, 
think it was in the Godfather, like of all movies, you see like the Lord's prayer and that, you know, you may have had your own experience, but let me just read this because it actually is what scriptures say. And it, it, it's actually insightful and says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is Jesus speaking. This is a model prayer. And I want to go back to to the beginning and just highlight some things about this prayer. Now, this prayer is not necessarily just supposed to be confined to saying it exactly word for word in a robotic way. Here's the thing. If you decide to follow Christ, there is nothing robotic about your life. He wants to lead you in a personal way. He wants to pour power into your life so you can live it completely differently than when you lived it before you knew him. And I think prayer is one of those things, and and I'm guilty of this. Prayer is one of those things that it becomes very robotic. But inside this prayer is principles that that really can help us stay on track with how to pray in the, the right way. And it begins with this idea of our Father in heaven, hallowed. Like all that's going on in my life, God, I want to recognize you are in charge. You are God. And so as I pray to you, you're the only one I can pray to knowing that you know everything, you hear everything and you can provide everything that I need. So it's this recognition, hallowed, holy, you are God bigger than anything else. And then it goes, if you can go back to the, the previous, is that the next one? You see, I go back to the beginning. So go back again. Thanks. So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. Cause this idea of God, you're, you're the one I'm going to focus on. And it is you and your will that I want to set before me. Now notice, notice the order. When we begin to pray, there should be a focus on God, who he is, a recognition that we are mere mortals. We're just men and women trying to figure out how to navigate life. And there's a God who's big and who wants to lead us. So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then go to the next slide. Actually, it's the one before that. There we go. Give us this day, our daily bread. So this is the idea. God, you're big. You're God. You lead. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then the third part is provide what I need. Now, how many of you, the scope of your prayer life is like, God, I need you right now to come through for me yesterday. You know, it's, it's easy in prayer. Like it's this emergency line that we only pick up if we're really in trouble. Any of you like, that's kind of, it's like the red phone and you can't even dial out, but you pick it up and you just hope God's there. God, I really need you. But notice in this, this model prayer, there's this idea of, now God, God hears you whenever you call on him. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm saying that there's, there's this pattern of, we have to recognize who God is. We have to recognize that it is more than just a bell me outline of communication. There's actually things that God wants to do through you so you can see his will and his kingdom be done in your life. And the good news about God is in this personal relationship that he has when you decide to follow him, he will take care of you. He will provide for your needs. But notice this, give us today our daily bread. Notice it says, God, don't give me every single loaf of bread that I'll ever need. 
right? It's give me today. Just provide what I need. Not everything that I necessarily want, but provide what I need. And then the next, the next phrase there, and, and forgive us our debt. So it's this idea of God, you providing. You are a great God. It's your will. It's your kingdom. Forgive me for the things that I've done. So prayers is part, there's this thing of, in the middle of everything we have going on, we have to keep getting cleaned up. We mess up. We treat people wrongly. And we need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to make it right with those people. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. And prayer is just this way that we continue to have us a relationship with God where he continues to forgive us and he gives us his grace and we can keep moving forward. One of the things that the enemy wants to do is keep coming against us, keep accusing us, keep pushing us back. But as we pray and we ask God for help and we recognize who he is, we can experience forgiveness. And as we experience forgiveness, we can extend that forgiveness to others. And then it turns the corner and lead us not into temptation. The idea is actually it's God, keep, keep me safe from myself. That's really what it means. Literally like keep me safe from my own desires. Do you ever think something and you scare yourself? Right? You're like, where did that come from? And you're like, from me. And that kind of freaks you out. We are actually broken people who think and do terrible things. And this prayer is a recognition. God, keep me safe from myself, from my own desires, things that I wish that are terrible. Things that I've done that I wish I would have never done. Keep me safe from myself. And then also deliver me from the evil one, Satan himself. We have, we have an enemy and his name is Satan. And in this world, we don't necessarily want to talk about him, but he's real. And if you decide to follow Christ, he will come against you because you're a Christ follower. And so when you pray this, it's this idea of God, keep me safe from myself and also keep me safe from the evil one, Satan. Deliver us from evil. And in this prayer, we, we get this scope and sequence. Now, I want to focus on one part of this, which is this prayer of send me. And it's kind of right at the beginning, which I've already mentioned. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer of send me. When you pray to God, I want your will to be done and your kingdom to be done. You're, you're asking God to use you in the world in which he's, he's placed you. So I just want to make this kind of disclaimer. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, one of your biggest fears is if I become a follower of Christ, is he going to actually ask me to do things that I don't want to do? And the answer is probably. Those kids? Wow. I'm going to pray for those kids. No, no, I'm, be, I'm not trying to be funny, but let, let's pray. Pray with me. God, I just pray for any of the kids that are struggling. I don't know if it's one or a few. I pray that your peace will come upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the teachers that you'll watch over them, give them discernment and wisdom. And God, we thank you for the kids that we have here at Church in the Valley. I pray for your comfort. And I also pray against the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's actually how life is in the middle of things. You got going, you're like, you know, I need to stop and pray. And so that's just an example of how prayer, prayer works. But I want to focus in on this idea 
of your kingdom come, your, your will be done. And that fear that we have is if I decide, if I decide to pray, God, send me, will I have to do things that I don't want to do? And, and the answer is you possibly could. Because to pray your kingdom come and your will be done means that you can't have your own will and your own kingdom at the same time. Like you have to decide who it will lead you and who's going to be the most important. So that fear is real. But I, but I want to talk about this in the context of despite the things that you may be fearful of God asking you to do, whether you decide to follow him or not, it's the best kind of life. If you're willing to pray this prayer, send me, you will actually experience the best kind of life possible. Uh, for me, I've, I've experienced this. Um, I just want to share a couple stories. When I was fresh out of college, I had a job in pharmaceutical sales and I was 21 year old, 21 year old, 21 years old. And I learned to talk back then and I'm still learning. And I went into this workplace as a 21 year old with these coworkers that had all sorts of experience in sales, had all sorts of experience in life. And I was overwhelmed by this just prospect of entering the workplace. And if like you're close to graduating college or you're a recent grad, you have this sense of like, can I just go back to college forever? And I, I had to leave. That's the point. Go to college. So you can get a job. And then when you get a job, you're like, that's what I went to college for. It can be kind of depressing. This is like not a graduation speech. That's sorry, guys. That was really sorry. Right here, right here. I'm sorry. And I, I, I found myself in this workplace and I was, I was overwhelmed. And, and this is what I, I found God saying. You need to be a light to your coworkers. Okay, God, but I, I'm like kind of young and I don't know what I'm doing. I want you to be a light to your coworkers. Okay, God. That's kind of what I did. I just smiled. And step forward, and I had to face for a long time just this fear of trying to like love my coworkers and serve my coworkers. And this young kid that seemed like I didn't fit in just tried to be a light. They knew I was a Christ follower, and I tried to be a light. And through the course of 17 months, I began to be able to form relationships and share the difference that Jesus made in my life. Learned how to work and balance ministry and relationships and all these things. And it was like a heavy time of pressure. But in that, I saw... God come through. That was 2002. In 2006, I came on staff at Church in the Valley and I became a pastor. And again, you know, God was going to use me in, in different ways. And one of the things that I, I just kept coming back to was this, this fear of, you know, the higher you are in leadership, the more your decisions impact many people. And I kept experiencing these things where like the pressure of what if I mess up? What if I do things that's going to mess my family up? What if I do things that's going to mess other people up? And like, I just realized this was kind of a weight upon me. But I sense God, God was in this and he, he wanted me to, to lead out in this way. And over time, I still face those fear, but over time, just seeing God come through and using me. And, and what I realize is oftentimes when we pray, send me, we end up facing daunting things that, that can overwhelm us. And the definition of daunting, you'll see it up here. Seeming difficult to deal with in anticipation, intimidating. So there's something that you know you have to do and you're just overwhelmed by the prospect of it. Have you experienced that? Like you're going to have to enter into a hard season of life and you see it coming and all you see is the horizon of it. And it's like this thunder that's rolling towards you and you just kind of want to run away from it. 
and you're intimidated. And I found in my own life, many times when I pray for God to use me, I look on the horizon and all I see is dark clouds. I just want to see sunshine, but it's not there. But what I've realized is oftentimes when I think it's thunder and I'm overwhelmed by what's coming, I'm focused on the stress it's going to cause me. I'm focused on the cost to my comfort, the cost to my convenience. And that's what I begin to focus on. Instead, when I pray God send me and it begins to switch, then I realize it's not about my stress. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my convenience. It's actually about being sent by God to do what he wants me to do. That's the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On this earth, in my life, in my circles. And so all the things that you could think in your life, like if God were to send me to talk to that person or to do that or to do this, you kind of begin to shake. That That's okay. What you'll find is in the middle of the daunting things you face where God wants to use you, he will actually come through. And I want to go back to this theme that we've talked about this whole series, and that's this, that prayer ignites the power of God in my life and in your life, in our life. That's what prayer does. It doesn't strengthen your own will necessarily. What it does is it actually allows you to tap the power of God. That's why you pray. And don't just talk to yourself. It's not self-talk. It's God talk. You talk to him and he gives you the power you need to face the things that you need to face in your life, to push forward, to do his will. And just like in the model prayer that Jesus instructed, what happens over time is the power of God works in your life to accomplish his kingdom and his will. Here's the shift that happens. God leads me beyond help me to send me. That's where God wants to lead all of us. Now, God does help us, and God does always listen whenever we call on him. But there's so much beyond just this emergency line between us and God. There's a sense in which it's far beyond just, God, help me, get me out of this. You know, some of my greatest prayer life in high school was like, God, I haven't studied. But if you could, like, really help me recall things that I've never even learned... Because I've prayed that, like, man, your prayer life, like in finals, is like, woo, God. Or have you ever prayed something like this? God, if you help me here, I'll never do that again. I've gotten pulled up with over by cops before, and I'm, I'm praying. God, if if they can let me off with a warning, I may never speed again today. In the next 30 minutes. <laughs> and I, I'm saying that in fun, but like, honestly, that those are real prayers. I prayed. But, but it's so much beyond that. Like, help me. It's God, you help me and you come through for me. And there's this trust relationship that builds and then you help me and you come through for me. And then over time, as you mature, it grows beyond this emergency line to this God, the one who helps me. Will you send me and use me? And that is a dangerous prayer. And that's what I want to talk about. This idea of where God sends you, he will use you. Keeps coming to this again and again. You find this in the scriptures. I found this in my own life. Where God sends you, he will use you. 
But so many times, it's easy to, to focus on not where God sends us, but where we want to go. And we spend so much time like, God, I know you want to send me there, but this is where I want to go. And there's just something about our life where we need to align. If we can go where God sends us to go, then he will use us where we are. But if we spend so much time running away from where God sends us, then we just spinning our wheels. Well, can God still use me if I don't do what he says? Possibly. But what if we actually align with him and experience the fruit and blessing that comes with being in line with the God who's called us to do what he's asked us to do? So what God sends you, he will use you. And here's some places that God sends us. Now, I want to just kind of another disclaimer. There's, there's two types of people a lot of times, and this is an overgeneralization, so take it for what it is. However, when we think of like God sending us, there's one type of us, of us that think, man, God, send me to like place where they need you. Jamaica. <laughs> Hawaii. They need Jesus, right? And we think like it's the adventure of like, man, I can't wait for God to send me on this great adventure. Indiana Jones, and we're just, just send me God to somewhere, not here, right? And then there, there, there's the other part of us that's like, God, send me in the half mile radius where you have me. And we can kind of go those extremes depending on our personality. Well, what you find in scripture is that God sends you to the place in which he has you. That's it. He sends you where he has you. And if he wants you somewhere different, guess what? God will tell you that. So it is plant where you are and God will send you from there into the circles that you're in. It's not this idea of like uproot everything and just go. You go when God tells you to go. But you plant where he has you now. And that's how God uses you. And so here, here's some of those places. And this is, this is like kind of basic, but it, it's helpful to remember this, here's, here's where God wants to send us. He wants to send us to our neighbors. Like that, like that's it? Yeah! He wants to actually send you where you live. Isn't that great? <laughs> you, I literally, like where's Jamaica? Like that's not a next step today, right? But God sends us to, to our neighbors. Now, now here's what, here's what's crazy about this. If you know your neighbors, you're actually in the minority of Americans. That's true. We don't know who our neighbors are. Um, there was a, an article by City Lab. Check out this, this quote. It was called, Why Won't You Be My Neighbor? No, anyone know reference to that, Mr. Good job. All right. We've come a long way, it seems, from that. But only about 20% of Americans spent time regularly with the people living next to them. A third say they've never interacted with their neighbors. A third. So there's no interaction at all. Now, the reason I say this is if you're a Christ follower and you decide, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to be his light into the world. This is the prime place to happen. It's where you live. It's where you spend a lot of your time. And you can be sent to your neighbors. And you know what's crazy about being sent to your neighbors? If you talk to them, 
you're doing something different than no one else does. Because nobody actually interacts anymore with their neighbors. And so if you go out of your way to interact and to initiate, to have a conversation and to serve and to love and to ask questions, you're already different. And then that gets the fear. That's one of my fears. I don't want to be sent and be different. If you're a Christ follower, you are already different. It's the truth. You got to embrace it. Talk to your neighbor and let them look at you like, dude, why is he asking so many questions? I have it easy because I say I'm a pastor and like, well, of course. I'm weird. You're normal. Talk to your neighbors. God will use you and he will send you there. The second is coworkers. Now, how many of us go to work most days? Good, good job. We go to work, Lord willing, every week. But we're there every day with these people who are just experiencing the grind of work trying to get through life. And if we have a relationship with Jesus and it's changed our life and we have new hope and new life in him, we can be a refreshment to our coworkers who are just trying to get through the day and looking at the clock so they can get back home. And that is one of the greatest things that you can do is work hard for the Lord Jesus. Not complain. And then look to the interests of your coworkers. Look how you can help them with their projects. Ask them what's going on in their life. Follow up with them about what they've shared. And then if you, you know, once you build trust, you could actually say to them, can I, can I pray for you? Would you ever think to say that to your coworker? For some of us, this could be way outside our strike zone. But to live as somebody sent means that, that we want to continue to look so we can help people and we can identify with Christ. We're not hiding it. This is who we are. And Lord willing, they see a difference in us and they can connect it to the fact that we're Christians. And we can change maybe the misconception that they have from what they've heard or seen in their experience or in culture or in media. God sends us. He sends us to our neighbors. He sends us to our coworkers. And then the last part, he sends us from people far from God. Now, this is a primary place God sends us to. It's, it's to actually people that need him. But doesn't that make complete sense? Jesus himself said, I, I've not come for the healthy, but for the sick. For the broken. So when you decide to follow Christ... Uh, we, we still are a mixed bag. We still have brokenness in us. We have sin and we still struggle. But Jesus begins, he puts us together and he forgives us and he gives us this, this sense of we are new in him. We're a new creation, a new life, and, and we begin to live life differently over time. And we're, we're changed. The, the, the minute that we decide to follow Christ, he changes us and then we grow. And what God wants us to do is he, he wants us to interact with people that that are broken themselves. And that's something that God wants to do. He wants to send you into the brokenness of people. And here's the thing. In, in, in Christian like circles, that's called ministry. You, you minister to people. You love people. You serve them. Well, here's the thing about ministry. Ministry is found in the mess. That's where it is. Ministry is found in the messiness of people's lives. 
And for you to be sent to broken people means that you're being sent into the messiness, into the brokenness. But wouldn't he want to send those who have life to those that don't? And wouldn't he want to send those who are whole to those who are broken? And wouldn't he want to send those who receive grace to those who are beating themselves up? So to become a Christian means that he will send you to the messy. And what helps me is realizing like that's who I was. And that's still who I am. I'm still broken and still need help. But God uses you as you decide to be sent into these, these different places. So this is why it's a dangerous prayer. Because it's actually a break of the status quo. It's a break of the comfort. It's a break of the convenience. And it's asking God, send me into the mess so I can love and so I can help people. Now, all this, this sounds like for some of you, this may be like, yes, this is the kind of life that I want to live. For others of you, it's like, oh, my life's already messy. And to be sent into more mess can, can seem overwhelming. Well, again, I believe that if you pray, God, send me and he sends you somewhere and you follow him. Your life comes together like never before because you're, you're sent by God and you're following his orders. And there's alignment there where he will use you in ways that he may never have before. But it is dangerous. So as I close, I want to highlight three responses. Now, the reason I do this is because this is the struggle within all of us. There's three responses where it's like, God, send me. What if he does? And he tells you, okay, do that. So if God hears us and he's powerful enough to speak to us, what happens in our response to that? In the scripture, there's three main responses, and I'm going to highlight just three stories briefly. Now, I'm not going to dig into the stories, but if you've not read these stories before this week, I would mark the scripture, and then I would read the chapters like before and after so you can get the whole picture. These are people that God wanted to use, and they had different ideas about how to respond to that. So here's the first response. God, send me, and then he does, and then here's our response. The first one is, send someone else. Read, read that with me. Send someone else. God send me. Okay. Never mind. Send her. Right? Well, why would that be? Well, in the story of, of Moses, God wanted to send Moses to deliver his people, the Israelites from the hands of slavery from the Egyptians. And God made it very clear that Moses was the man for the job. Moses was raised by the Egyptians. He had influence. But God had raised him up and allowed this to happen so he could be the person to lead the Israelites out of the hands of slavery. And it was very direct. And find out the scripture in Exodus 3. It says this. So now go. Very clear. If you ever hear this from God. So now go. It, what, what do you mean by that, God. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. Very clear. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh and then read what Moses says. But Moses said to God, who am I 
that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So, so now go. And Moses said, me? Like, I know you were speaking very directly and it was very clear, but me? And then check out what happens after that in chapter 4, 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, this this is one of my favorite verses. The first part, is, which I've highlighted there, I will be with you. This is the promise. God sends you and he will use you. The reason he'll use you is because he's with you. That's the promise. But then notice the proof. And God says, the proof that I'm with you is that you're going to do it. I just think that's kind of funny because if you're, he's like, well, yeah, but I got to actually do it to know that. That's what faith is. You don't know until it happens. You're like, oh, he was with me. How do you know? Because I did it and he was with me. Right? That seems risky. And, And this is what Moses said to that. Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. I just love like, oh, Lord, it's kind of like, Dad, (laughs) oh, Lord, how great you are. Send somebody else. And what you find is like, despite the fears and all the the past, Moses' sin and his own shortcomings, he followed through and God used him. And he was on the mountain and saw God came through. But that's something we struggle with. God, send me. It's a dangerous prayer to the point where if he does, we answer, never mind, send that that person instead. The second response is this, not send someone else, but I'm not going. I'm just not going to do it. This is the story of Jonah. You ever heard like Jonah and the big whale, the big fish? Well, that, that came because Jonah just decided... God, you want me to go to Nineveh to speak to them about their sin. He hated Nineveh and hated the people of Nineveh. He didn't want to go near there. And so Jonah, uh, in Jonah 1, we find this account of God speaking in his response. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And it goes on. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now this is, this fascinating. Very clear, right? The word of the Lord came to who? Jonah. And if you're Jonah, you're thinking, uh oh, I think that's coming to me. Yes, because God's speaking to you directly and he told him to go. And so Jonah's thinking, I'm not going. In fact, I'm going to go somewhere else. There's a map up here. So, all right, let's just get this straight. Okay. I'm not a great geography guy. Is that even a word, geography guy? That's your job title. That's legit. Okay, but God said, you go to Nineveh. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to go to Nineveh. You said Nineveh, I say Tarshish. Let's call the whole thing off, right? In the span of about 3,000 miles, Jonah just decides, I'm I'm not going to go. In fact, you've called me to go here. 
I'm going to just completely go rogue and do my own thing. Now, at what point did Jonah think that that was smart? Right? Like, if I get a head start on God, I could beat him? Really? And you just think about this story. Like, first he's going in the wrong direction. You just, that's bold, man. That is bold. And then he's like paying and he's just thinking like, could you imagine him paying the guy? And he's like, is anyone following me? Because just let me know. And the story goes, he, he, he disobeyed God. God got his attention. He got thrown in the ocean. He got swallowed by, now this is extreme, but this is that, 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 that thing of God, God sends us and we can just decide we're going to do our own thing. And then we spend the whole time thinking, well, well, will it still work out? Well, don't spend your time disobeying God, wondering if it will still work out. Get your alignment with him. And he will use you. So finally, through God intervening and allowing him to get swallowed by a fish, he got his attention. And he decided, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And God used him. But there's that part of us where we have our own Tarshish way over here in our life. We have our own agenda and goals and things that we want to see happen. And God just continues to say, well, you, you're going in that direction, but I want to send you here instead. So the dangerous prayer is if God tells you to do something that you don't want to do, will you do it? If God sends you to talk to somebody you don't want to talk to, will you do it? That's the question. And then the third response. So it's send someone else. It's I'm not going. And then the third response is send me. And this is the story of Isaiah if you've not read this, I encourage you in Isaiah 6 and in 5 and 7, you can read the context of this. Isaiah has an encounter with God and he sees his, old, his own failings and how, you know, this idea of God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Like Isaiah got that. He saw the glory of God, that there was this separation from himself and God and, and it was overwhelming. And he had this experience of God and this relationship with God. And there's this encounter in the scriptures in Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is Isaiah speaking, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Now notice I like the interchange here because here's the question. It's open-ended. In the other, God spoke directly to Moses and Moses said no. God spoke directly to Jonah and Jonah said no. God asks a question to Isaiah. And what does Isaiah say? Here I am. Send me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Now here's the great news. For Moses and for Jonah, they chose their initial response. And God was gracious over time. And they they did what he, he had asked. Isaiah wasn't perfect, but he said, send me wherever you are. You may have said no to God. You may have said, send someone else to God, but it's never too late to say, send me. And it begins with deciding to follow him. God can't send you if, if you don't have a relationship with him because he will use you where he sends you. And so it flows out of this relationship. So if you've never yet committed your life to Christ, that's the first thing you need to be sent into this relationship with him. And the second is, if you've been just kind of going off in your own path, it's not too late. 
if you've been hearing things and maybe God's speaking to you and you think, well, that's not for me, that's someone else, it's not too late to respond to what God may want you to do. Now, again, I'm not saying he's going to send you into this far off land. What it is, is in the daily flow of life, he wants to send you to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to broken people, to do the hard thing when it'd be easier to do what you want. That's where God sends us to stand in the gap like Isaiah. Here, here, here I am. Send me. So as I close, here, here are some examples of what that may look like for you. Um, it may be God wants to send you to initiate a conversation with a neighbor. Now here, here's something crazy. What if you were to pray every day this week, God, send me to have a conversation with my neighbor. And you, you prayed that every day, starting today. Now, if you pray, God, send me to initiate with my neighbor, and you look outside and your neighbor's out there, you may actually have to get up. Because God may send you, but you have to get your feet and walk, right? There may be times where you're coming home, and you see your neighbor, and you could stop as you pull in the drive. Like, don't stop in the middle of the street, but pull in your driveway and initiate a conversation. So what it is, is you pray, God, send me, and then you begin to look with your eyes on what he's doing around you. Same with your coworkers. What if you were to pray every day, God, help me to serve, to love, to help, to listen, to be a light, to let somebody know I'm praying for them at my workplace, and then start looking, see what God does. Maybe you just pray, God, if there's somebody broken and in a mess this week, will you lead me to them? What if you were to pray that? These are dangerous prayers because what if you came back next Sunday and God had answered one of those prayers? That's where it's real. And this is what Christianity is. This is not hypothetical ideology. It's real. Enter the world in which he's placed you and be sent by God. And where he sends you, he will use you. And it's made a difference in my life because it's like this is where the meaning is. It's not sliced. It's not just my own religion. It's just, it impacts the life, every aspect of my existence. And this is what God wants to do. So I encourage you, begin there, just pray. Neighbors, coworkers, broken people. Go to a coffee shop this week. Go to a restaurant this week and look to see if God sends you to initiate a conversation with somebody. Now, Alex, you're an extrovert. You talk to everybody. I do, but you know what? I've seen God use people in mighty ways that are introverts, that are terrified of meeting people. But you know what God does? He brings people to them. And so wherever you are, God will use you. So pray as you go to a place. God, help me to have a conversation with somebody around here and see see what God does. So these are just practical examples. I encourage you to to pray one of those. And I'm going to wrap up. If you pull your connection card out and... I'm just going to kind of basically ask you to take a, a challenge this week to pray that prayer. And you can decide if you want to do it. But I encourage you, the best way to practice prayer is to actually what? Pray. To practice prayer, you can pray. And so the next step on the back of your connection card, if you haven't finished filling that out yet, uh, you can do that. On the front side, but on the, the back side are, are two next steps. The first one is pray, send me every day this week. 
and just pray in a specific way. And in the neighborhood, at your, your job, your family, your friends, what, just pray that every day this week. And start today and see what God does. Now, if you decide to take that next step and you pray this every day this week, I would love for you to come next Sunday and tell me about it. Could you do that? Before church, after church, whenever you see me, I'd love to hear it. You can shoot me an email, alex at churchinthevalley.com. That's my email. But if you pray that and God doesn't, I'd love to hear about that. And then the second is sign up for a meetup and invite somebody. God wants to send you to the lives of people. And one of the things that we're doing at Church in the Valley is we're offering these meetups so you can be sent into the circles in which you are to invite people. We want people to come to this and experience like, wow, these people live with purpose. These people have hope. This is a group that I actually enjoy being around. Like, so we, we've got tons of these meetups going. They're going to kick off next week. But think of people that you can invite. That'd be really fun to see people that have never come to Church in the Valley come to one of these meetups. So pray that and think through how you can apply that in your life. Let's pray. The band's going to come up and we're going to receive our offering. You can drop your tithes and offerings in there and, and also your completed connection card. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to live as people who are sent. And we're sent with purpose. We're sent with hope. And we're sent with the very life that people long for. God, it's easy for us to get just so caught in our own agendas and priorities and goals that we forget to live as people who are sent. So, God, this week, send us into the world in which you've placed us to be your light. Send us to interact with our neighbors and our coworkers and broken people. God, give us people that we can invite to the meetups this summer. And God, we ask that we'll live as people who when you ask us who you can send, we will respond with, here am I, send me. So God, I pray that you will encourage us in the middle of our fears, push us past our own comfort and convenience. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.